Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash pro revenge, and next, a word from our sponsors. Our next Reddit post is from Older Sparky. We had an older hospital where, over time, we've been upgrading their CCTV, security, door access, and nurse call paging systems. I'd been at this company for a few years, but they've been doing all the Sparky work here for over a decade, so we knew the whole place really well. The buildings, the people, the staff positions, the job roles, everything. I worked there a lot, so I got to know the drama, politics, and secret affairs too. I got to lead a team in building and maintaining each of the new systems. These systems had been chosen because they could all work together to achieve the client's needs and were networked. They were also standalone because government IT didn't want the third-party gear on their networks. We had to install all the infrastructure and equipment. I had network hubs all over the place where I could access all four of these systems. One Tuesday, I was sitting at one of the network hubs doing regular testing and maintenance. I had just been checking the CCTV, watching Janine do that lopsided, stumbling walk she does in high heels. I believed I'd done enough continuous work at 10am to deserve a treat. That morning, Nancy, a nurse in pediatrics, had brought cupcakes in for the ward staff. Nancy had kept two individually packaged cupcakes aside for me, clearly labeled with my name in the ward staff room fridge. I walked the five minutes over to the ward, humming my I'm about to have a cupcake song. I opened the fridge. No cupcakes. I mean, there were maybe 20 still there in a big clear Tupperware container, but mine weren't. Not the ones Nancy set aside. Before I just lose my cool altogether and flip that effing fridge over, I'd better go check to see if something dire hasn't happened. Maybe one of these kids needed these particular cupcakes to stay alive. Maybe these two cupcakes saved the planet. Work is forgotten, and the investigation begins. I speak with Nancy. First, I ask if she saw that Janine was wearing heels again. We both have a chuckle. Then, I bring up the cupcake situation. We go through the whole, they were there before, and the checking of the fridge so Nancy can confirm the story. It's like she doesn't understand that I wouldn't joke about this. We begin interviews. No one on the ward is owning up. We believe them. Someone not of this ward has taken my cupcakes. The pediatrics nurses are livid. Myself and my team want answers. It's a funny thing. Once cameras and swipe card doors have been in for a while, people forget all about them. Forget that they're always being watched. Forget that doors have logs to see who went where and when. Forget who put them all in. Back to the hub I go. A quick audit of door access reveals that Jerry went in the staff room between the relevant times. Not yet. Don't lose your cool just yet. Do the due diligence. Checking the CCTV, I see Jerry walking out of the staff room carrying a bag, wiping his mouth. Rewind, pause, zoom in. Frosting. The hub's rack did nothing wrong, so I step back and stare at the wall. The first eight thoughts get caught by the filter. I calm down a little and head back to my nurses. They see me coming and gather. Sick kids are an afterthought in this matter. I tell them I know who did it. Don't want to say who just yet. I need some time to think and ask if we can keep this all hush-hush for now. They say they understand and immediately ask who it was. They are, after all, government staff. I head back to the hub to continue work, not walking 500 miles to eat cupcakes anymore. As I'm swiping my card across the reader, in that one second it takes the red light to turn green, a plan starts to play like a cinematic in my head. It's like my subconscious has known about this day for ages. 
and is now premiering its devious feature. It screens the permutations, possible flaws, ramifications. I'm not sure how long I stared at that door. Rewinding, pausing, fast-forwarding. The plan is beautiful, and I promise my brain a cupcake soon. Jerry was a general orderly who was supposed to float around the whole hospital helping any ward and pretty much anyone else when they paged him. He didn't though. Jerry didn't like walking around. Jerry was lazy. And he didn't like patients. He used to work in the wards, but he couldn't find one without close supervision or without patients, so he moved to a day shift general duties. Jerry hated to be made to walk from one end of the hospital to the other, and Jerry effing hated the swipe cards and the electronic door locks. Some people just don't get technology. Some people just hate change and love to complain about it, while not taking the effort to learn about how to work it. While responding to maintenance tickets, I'd had to listen to Jerry whinge numerous times about doors. For this, and other reasons, I did not like Jerry. Jerry knew my distinctive name, knew what I did here, saw the other 20 cupcakes, and ate mine anyway. Yeah, time to screw with Jerry. At the hub, I make the necessary improvements to my systems. I select a variety of well-chosen doors. I set auto-paging for different events. I create different calendars. I set some automated conditions so everything swapped and changed around. Once I'm set up with the program on hold, I go see Nancy. I need to give Jerry a chance to own up, even though I'm pretty sure he won't. I ask Nancy to page Jerry so she can ask him about the cupcakes. Nancy isn't surprised it's Jerry and is on board. The other nurses gather and ask what's happening. I tell them that Jerry is about to work off some of his belly. They aren't surprised it's Jerry either and swear secrecy. I walk to the maintenance manager's office while Nancy summons Jerry. I go into the maintenance manager's office grinning. My buddy, the maintenance manager, says, What? With a smile. He knows me. We work closely together here for a while. We're mates, and he's seen that look on my face before. I ask him to just print any maintenance tickets generated by Jerry for card or door or gate pager issues, but not to action them. I'll pick them up while I'm here doing other work and deal with them personally. When I tell him about the cupcakes in my plan, he's not only on board, he laughs so hard he has a coughing fit for about 25 seconds. I head back to check in with Nancy and find that Jerry has, ever so accommodatingly, denied all knowledge. What I'd created in my system was a randomized intermittent program, all focused on Jerry's card. A program that would send Jerry's pager a message to go somewhere on the other side of the complex, seemingly at random, based on Jerry swiping his card at particular doors. Or the gate to the staff car park wouldn't work. Or his card would stop working, making him go to get it revalidated. Or (laughs) a siren would sound for a few seconds when he entered certain rooms. I already knew all the staff routines and area of responsibility. The patients wouldn't be adversely impacted, and Jerry did nothing anyways. Back at the hub, I click the go button. Week 1. By Friday afternoon, in 4 days, Jerry had raised 18 tickets. I grabbed a stack of paper from the maintenance manager and went to the orderly's office to find Jerry. While I gently fanned the tickets, he listed all the weird things he'd been experiencing. 
He was explaining how the duty nurses were getting annoyed at his unexpected arrivals when I interrupted him to ask if he'd seen anyone take my cupcakes from the pediatrics fridge on Tuesday. The puzzled face he put on was a head shorter than mine and about one meter away from the embroidered name on my shirt. No confession. I'd only had 50 specially selected doors active in the program these past four days. That Friday afternoon, at the end of week one, I clicked the all button and added the other 470 doors. Week two. By midday Wednesday, there were only six tickets raised. I checked the systems logs and found out why. In just under three days, there'd been a mixture of over 85 events. Jerry didn't have time to lodge tickets. When I spoke to Jerry that Wednesday, he demanded that I do my job and fix this stuff, and why hadn't I done it yet? No confession, no apology. Time for some head games. I told him I'd sort it out. When I went to check the systems that Wednesday midday, I stopped the program. (laughs) On Friday morning, I turned it back on again. Week 3. I let it run Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I almost felt sorry for him this week when I was talking to him and considered stopping the plan. Then, I remembered why I didn't like him so much. The one thing I haven't mentioned that is I already knew Jerry was in the final stages of disciplinary management. This was the linchpin to the plot of the film that ran through my head. Remember before when I said that I got to know the drama, politics, and secret affairs? I knew that one of the disciplinary warnings, among other things, was for taking people's lunches on four occasions. And not because he needed to either. That's the reason the nurses and the maintenance manager weren't surprised it was Jerry and were on board. They knew too. Everyone did. That was the reason why he didn't kick up a stink to his manager or confess. I didn't want to get him fired, just make him apologize. Cupcakes are serious business. The final week. Week 4, the program ran Monday and Tuesday. The plan was only ever going to be for a month or until Jerry confessed and apologized. Before this Tuesday, I'd had a chat with Nancy. I'd asked her if she wouldn't mind a cameo in a little vignette. She understood and agreed. When I was talking with Jerry in the orderly's office, Nancy arrived and handed me a personalized pair of cupcakes that looked and were packaged the exact same as the missing ones a few weeks earlier. As Nancy was walking away, the now silent Jerry looked from the package to my shirt, then to me. I held up the tickets, mustered my best Adam Hills, and said, Don't be a dick, mate. He was silent and very angry. I could see he'd realized that I'd been doing this on purpose. If he made an official complaint, the missing cupcakes would come up and he'd lose his job. Also, during our chats, he'd heard me say intermittent issues many, many times. Jerry was angry because he knew he couldn't do an effing thing about it. I walked off to the pediatrics ward where Nancy and I were going to eat these treats. I hummed my tune the whole way. Loose ends. Unfortunately, Jerry was a dick one more time. He got sacked two months later for taking more stuff out of a fridge. I felt bad for him as I helped security save the footage to a drive. Janine continued to wear the 4-inch heels on and off until she sprained her ankle. There is no showreel. The maintenance manager tried bribing me with Jack Daniels after the episode to add certain pager numbers to the program. There's no way I could have done that. He's an evil, evil bastard. We drank the Jacks as we didn't watch a non-existent showreel. 
There have been many times on this channel where I've said, don't screw with the IT guy, but this is the first time I've ever said, don't mess with a man's cupcakes. Our next Reddit post is from Anonymous Bun. Let's call my a-hole boss Eugene since his stinginess reminds me of Eugene Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. Except, Krabs is nowhere near malicious. In order to display the full satisfaction of this revenge, I'll have to describe a few, but not limited, things Eugene did that entitles him to being a complete jerk-off. For context, Eugene owns a small company that provides artistic services of some sort and never hired full-timers, which I later learned was due to his stinginess. Initially, when I saw the open part-time position, I thought it was ideal for me as I had external commitments and needed some sort of income. The job offers about $550 US per month. I don't live in the US, this is a rough conversion, but only required me to clock in about 90 hours a month. It wasn't a very good offer, but good enough for me as I considered myself to be inexperienced in the field. Note that Eugene had seen my portfolio and knew my ability level before hiring me. The first couple of months was fine. I worked the hours I was supposed to and got paid accordingly, occasionally extending my shift into my own time due to the nature of the work, but I didn't mind. I guess Eugene saw this as an advantage he could exploit later on during my employment. It's also important to note that Eugene would often ask about my well-being, how I spent my weekends, etc. At this point in time, it all seemed like courtesy talk, so I didn't pay much attention to it. He would ask about my previous employment and my reason for leaving, which I answered honestly, that their work system was unsustainable for me. This will be important later. Eugene gradually began to grow more impatient towards me, often blaming me for not being able to match up to his ability. Remember when I said I was inexperienced, thus the pay rate? Eugene had over a decade of experience in this expertise, and he expected me to be at his level when I was only three months in. The stress was intense, and I began working longer hours just to keep up and produce work at the best quality I could. I was under the belief that if I worked hard enough, my effort will speak. Even though this was only a part-time position, I overcommitted my time there and took pride in my work. My external commitments were barely scraping by. I was exhausted, but thought I was doing a good job, until Eugene spoke to me one day. Eugene pulled me into his office and lectured me on my work etiquette, saying that I wasn't putting in enough effort and he was considering letting me go. At this point, I was beyond confused. Did he really not see the effort I put in? Was I delusional in thinking I was actually doing well and my work had been improving? I tried speaking up, but he quickly diverted the topic, telling me he knew the reason why my previous employer hated me. It was because I was lazy and uncommitted. To say I was in disbelief was an understatement. Not only did I believe that I did my best with every task handed to me, Eugene had registered my flaws during casual conversation and twisted my words to his advantage. I had no idea how to react and simply asked him what he expected of me. He instantly replied that he would like me to double my hours working for him at the same monthly rate. His reasons? It's my fault that I'm not experienced enough to produce quality work. Thus, it should be under my own responsibility and time to make up for it. My external commitments didn't matter, he said, as this job was my only source of income and should be kept as priority. It finally dawned on me that Eugene was a narcissistic sociopath who only held conversations so that he could learn a person's weakness for manipulation. Now, from my title, you'll see that Eugene was not only a narcissist, but also stingy AF. Eugene is obsessed with maximizing his profits. 
Any business owner would love that, I agree, but Eugene focuses on every cent in immoral and even possibly illegal ways. He would sell a service to a client and, upon receiving the deposit, deliver something else. He was smart enough to keep his contracts vague for both clients and employees so that nobody could take legal action against him. More than often, his clients would be left to their wits end as it would be too late and expensive to engage another vendor by the time they realized they'd been scammed. Eugene would then demand another set of payment to deliver what he had originally promised, overcharging the client an average of 100-200% to 200% more than what was agreed. Eventually realizing that they'd been played, most people would be too exhausted to pursue further action and prayed for the project to be over so they didn't have to deal with his antics anymore. This inaction probably fed Eugene's ego that he could get away playing dirty every time. There are many more things I would like to rant about Eugene, but this is a pro-revenge sub, not recruiting hell, so most of you would like to get to the good stuff soon. So, in my country, employers are required to pay a certain amount of tax for every local employee they hire. While it isn't exactly tax, it is obligated by law, and negligence will result in a hefty fine and possibly jail time. These taxes are technically contributions for the employee's retirement funds, which is payable by every employer. The employer can deduct a certain percentage of the contribution for the employee's wages. This law has its own complications since there are a certain group of people exempted from it, such as students or interns. Now, Eugene is the classic example of a narcissist who thinks he's smarter than everyone else. He felt he was smart enough to evade the law by drafting a contract with vague detail to protect himself and was deluded enough to believe that everyone would believe him as long as he sounded convincing. In other words, he thought of people as sacks of potatoes with no opinion of their own. If anyone was to have a perspective, it had to be his way or the wrong way. I stayed in Eugene's company for about four months before I felt too mentally overwhelmed. On the day I left, I called in to check on my contribution account and just as I had expected, Eugene hadn't paid a single cent over the past four months. The officer on the other end of the line asked if I would like to report this as a case. Guess my answer. A week later, I received an update from the contribution board saying that Eugene had disputed my case, claiming that I was only an intern and thus exempted from the law. This jerk was playing dirty as a last attempt to steal from me. As I'd mentioned, Eugene thought of himself as a smart man and probably felt that the officer would rule the case in his favor since he had world-class convincing skills and his vague contract would have protected him either way. Fine, Eugene. So you think you can get away just like any other time? You must have gotten pretty confident by now. Well, not this time, Eugene. I wrote a two-page long email to the contribution board officer with every reason and evidence I can find on why I'm not an intern, like Eugene claimed. Knowing his antics, I went the extra mile to research all of the exempted groups and wrote every possible reason on how I am not in the category. Excessive? Yes. Worth it? Hell yes. I didn't hear from the officer for two weeks, and when I finally did, he informed me that Eugene had agreed to pay my contributions. Remember when I said that employers are permitted to deduct a certain percentage from employees' wages? Due to his negligence, Eugene could no longer do that and had to pay the full amount, on top of the fines that he had incurred along with it. If he had dutifully abided by the law, it would have only costed him a third of what he had to pay. So that's a bit of a butthole tax for you, Eugene. Now that I'd gotten back what I was owed, I decided to move on, but the story didn't end there. 
An ex-colleague of mine who was still working for Eugene told me that during the two weeks I didn't hear from the officer, Eugene was busy fighting by giving every reason that I was an exempted individual. The officer, having seen my email, soon got tired of his nonsense and gave him a deadline to pay up, or he'll be brought to court. My colleague said that he'd never seen Eugene so defeated before. To top it off, it seemed like karma had finally caught up to him as he started losing more and more clients due to his unethical practices. The fine came when he had no clients that month, so it was a very obvious dent in his bank account. Ultimately, it wasn't a huge amount, but knowing Eugene's stinginess and ego, I think the damage was enough to qualify for this sub. That was r slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, then follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit episodes every single day.